By the spring of 1945, the Allied troops have pressured the German army into full retreat. Whole battalions are being captured or disappearing into the population and the war is all but over. The Nazis begin an operation to cover up many things as they retreat. Sometimes they cover up great war crimes and atrocities, and sometimes they cover up priceless works of art and treasures. This is the tale of one such cover-up that horrified the Allied troops in that time and will go on to tragically claim the lives of soldiers for decades. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mysteries Abroad Podcast. I'm your host, Justin, and I'm joined by my wife, Megan. Hi, everyone. So as y'all know, we are doing stories that we're coming across in our travels. So we're basing these stories on the countries that we're visiting. So last week, Megan and I were in Germany. If you follow us on Instagram, I'm sure you have seen that. And I started looking for some spooky tales and things there in Germany that were true. And I came across a story that I've never heard before. And I was blown away by this thing. I was like, this has to go into the podcast. This is absolutely incredible. I've never heard this story before. And, you know, I love true crime. I love spooky (laughs) stories. I listen to podcasts. I watch TV shows. And somehow in my 32 years of life, I've never heard this one. And and I'm glad to hear that because I actually am specifically looking for stories that are kind of little known stories, you know, things that aren't really getting out yeah. there in mainstream media. And I, I want stories that are going to be new for people and new and exciting, I guess. Yeah. And let me also throw in that I don't know the majority of this story. Justin was just like, have you heard this one before? Kind of ran it across me real quick. And I was like, what? This is insane. No, I've never heard this. So I cannot wait to hear more about it. I'll be hearing it for the first time <laughs> with you guys. So, All right, let's get into it. On April 10, 1945, the Allies rolled into Hanover, Germany, and subsequently began to occupy the surrounding towns. One of these is the town of Sella. Now, the town itself wasn't technically of any importance, but it had a very large Rathaus, which basically means city hall in German. The building was so large that it was one of the largest freestanding structures in Europe at the time. The building had five floors above ground and five floors below ground. During the war, a Nazi SS battalion had occupied the building. It was large enough to house hundreds of men and have enough room for the offices so they could use it as their battalion headquarters. Now, in case you haven't heard of the Nazi SS, they were basically some of the worst of the worst when it comes to the Nazi troops. These were the soldiers that personally protected Hitler, operated concentration camps, they hunted down the political enemies of Hitler, conducted intelligence operations, and more. These were the most feared of the German soldiers, and they were known for their ruthless tactics and brutality. The SS were led by a man named Heinrich Himmler. He was in many ways the right-hand man of Hitler. In addition to being the SS commander, he was in charge of the German propaganda, the Gestapo, which was Nazis' secret police force, and was a close advisor of Hitler. And just like Hitler, Himmler was very interested in seeking out alternate and dark forms of power. And I'm using air quotes here on dark forms of power, and we will discuss that a little bit later. As the U.S. troops arrived in Sella, they decided that the Rathaus would make an excellent spot to set up their headquarters temporarily until the British troops arrived. Back in those days, towards the end of World War II, the German regions were divided up and assigned to certain countries to occupy until all the details could be worked out and victory was assured. Though this particular town was liberated by the U.S. forces, it would be occupied by British forces, so the U.S. would only be there for a short time. 
As the U.S. forces inspected the building, they found something very peculiar. The lower floors of the rat house, and remember these are the ones that are underground, had been flooded, and then the stairwells had been sealed off with concrete. The U.S. troops knew that this was done by the SS as they were vacating the building, and they also knew that they had done this kind of thing before to cover up stuff, so it was assumed that there were some artwork or some treasure that the Nazis were hiding down there. On April 15th, U.S. General Horrocks of the 84th Infantry Division decided to unseal the lower levels and send divers down to see what was in the flooded levels. U.S. Navy divers were called in, and it's important to note that these would have been some of the most experienced divers at the time. In addition to all the training that they would receive as Navy divers, they had also done missions like this all over Germany or all over Europe for that matter, to find things that had been hidden by the Nazis. So these guys really knew what they were doing. They were very experienced at doing this. For the cell of Rat House, three divers went down at different points. Now, it's not clear how far apart they were, but based on the accounts that we have, they could not see each other. So it was essentially three separate solo dives in the three separate stairwells in the building. You have to remember that this building is huge, so they could have been a long distance away from each other. Each diver was connected to a tether line, so they could be pulled back up if there was any sign of trouble. So we don't know how close or how far away no, they were from each other? No, because they were each in, I don't know how like long the building was, and they were all in different stairwells. Okay. So they were, you know, the stairwells weren't next to each other. They, they were spread out a good ways. Okay. The divers went down, and about 30 minutes later, one diver returns. He was the only diver to return, and he pops back up. And he is hysterical. He's raving like a lunatic. He's telling them all sorts of things on the top. The stuff that he is telling them is, I mean, it is like straight out of a horror movie. He said that while he was diving down through the floors, he began to see some strange things like pentagrams and other symbols etched into the walls and floors. He then found bodies strapped to chairs. And the scene gets even more sinister when he realized that the bodies had been mutilated and some even had parts removed and replaced with animal parts to include, allegedly, a body that had its human head removed and a goat head was sewn onto it. He then said that the bodies seemed to be moving or writhing around. What? And there was even a dark entity that was following or chasing him, which caused him to swim back up to the surface as quickly as he could. The diver was so distraught that he had to be sedated and then transferred to a hospital. And it said that he never dove again and was never the same after this incident. The other two divers were never recovered. Their tethers, of course, were pulled back up, but the divers were no longer attached. Oh, my gosh. A few days later, on April 21st, the building and surrounding area was turned over to the British forces who were moving in to occupy the region. At this point, the lower levels were resealed, so no more men were put at risk. So just to recap, <laughs> these three divers, these three super experienced divers, went down to the lower levels, to the basement levels, if you will, of this building. Two of them never came back out, and they were no longer attached to their tethers. We don't know why they weren't attached to their tethers, but, I mean, an experienced diver would not have taken mm -hmm. himself off of tether unless there was some reason. Because I mean, that's your lifeline. You're not going to say, oh, just unhook here. and Yeah, unless they were close together, and for some reason one of them was trying to breathe with the other's apparatus. Well, I... I mean, I think that the tether was just like, and I could be wrong about this, but I think the tether was more or less just a rope to keep them attached to the top side. You know, like they were probably diving with a tank, and I could be wrong about that. Yeah. It just, I, would, I would assume end of World War II they had tanks for diving, I think. But they never did find them 
Never found them. Did they send someone back down? No, no. After after when they were leaving, they resealed it uh, right before the British took over because they didn't want to risk anyone else's life down there. Oh, after yeah, the tales from yeah. the first guy, and after the other two never came back out, mm. they were like, uh, "We can't." I mean, this is three navy divers that have gone down. We're not sending any more down. That's so interesting. It's crazy. I, I do wonder what they would have found if they had sent someone else back down there if they could find yeah. the bodies. I do have a question about um, the guy who did come back up. Yeah. Could that have been, what do you call it, where, like, divers get drunk, nitrogen, nitrogen narcosis? narcosis? Yeah, so that does occur. And for those who don't know, and I, I don't know all about it, but basically nitrogen narcosis is where um, something occurs in divers' bodies in certain situations where the gases in your body kind of become toxic. And so it'll cause you to see things, you'll hallucinate, you will do things that you would not normally do. It's a very dangerous thing for a diver to find himself in. It can obviously happen to any diver, and it's hard to believe that like a super experienced Navy diver would find themselves in that situation, but it could it could theoretically happen. However, to say that all three divers that went down that same day in that same building had nitrogen narcosis happen to them, I mean, that would be... That would be like one in a million. I mean, it would it would be absolutely crazy for them to all get that. And, I mean, if, if that one diver that did come back out, if he had nitrogen narcosis, he would have come out of that. He would have been treated and would have come out of that. But it's clear he was very bothered by this for the rest of his life. I mean, he they said he never dove again. Mm-hmm. and was, So that doesn't seem like just a little... It was just a one-off incident where he was hallucinating. Yeah. And he was really in it. If he was a Navy diver, I would think that he's experienced nitrogen narcosis before in some yeah. way um and or had training on it or something yeah. yeah and so maybe he would have known if that's what it was and it wouldn't have bothered him so much but the fact that he never dove again is really weird yeah that's really crazy and yeah. so he he said he saw those bodies down there i mean that were mutilated they were like opened up they were tied to chairs they were cut open some of them had like their entrails pulled out of them, and one of them had his head taken off, and a goat, and a goat head put on. Which and I, doesn't that mean something? I did read a little bit about that, and uh, you know, in a lot of stuff like witchcraft and things like that, a goat kind of represents the devil, and so don't say that. I'm a Capricorn. They, <laughs> <laughs> so they say that by adding that to the body, number one, you have mutilated the body, which makes it more. Um, acceptable for a possession or something. Mm-hmm. And then when you go as far as adding animal parts and specifically adding goat heads, then you are really opening it up to some some satanic kind of stuff. So that would be really weird. And I think, I mean, and we can talk about this in a little bit, I think this would not be the first story that we've heard of the Nazis getting involved with some pretty dark, dark things in their quest for power, we'll say. Mm-hmm. So let me give you the rest of the story on this building, and then we can get into what some of the, the theories might be. So this building was used for many years for many different purposes, but in the 80s, during the Cold War, it became a garrison for NATO troops. This is when even more events started to occur. There was a particular infantryman named Stephen Daly who began to record some of the events that were occurring. According to Stephen, on one of his first nights in the building, he heard marching and saw silhouettes outside of his window. And he didn't think anything of this at the time because he's out on military installation. You know, hearing marching and seeing silhouettes wouldn't be too weird. However, the next morning, it occurred to him that his room was not on the ground level. 
so his window was too high up to see silhouettes walking by. Stephen was assigned to the Cellarite house for four years in the 80s, and he documented some really strange things. Now, some of these accounts were of his own, and some were told to him by other guys that were stationed there. A few of these events include hearing German voices whispering in locked and sealed rooms, hearing marching formations outside when there would be no parades or patrols going on, locked rooms would become vandalized while no one was in them, and some men reported waking up to see dark figures standing over their beds. One night, a new recruit named Private Martin Fox woke up to find his bed levitating several feet off the ground. Now, he, he thought, like, they're playing a prank on me or something, <laughs> but he was all the way up at, like, ceiling level, and so he thought the guys had, like, lifted his bed up, but then he realized no one else is in this room. I guess he, you know, looked around, <laughs> looked over the edge of the bed and saw there's no one else here. He screamed, and the bed came crashing down to the floor, and apparently it was so loud that other people that were nearby came rushing into the room to see what had happened, and all they found was this private there that was, you know, thoroughly freaked out. For me, one of the most interesting is a sergeant major's account of standing outside one night and seeing a German panzer column passing by on the road completely silently. Now, if you don't know what a German panzer column is, that would be like from World War II, that would be a German division of panzer tanks. So this would be several German tanks and German soldiers walking by and driving by him on the road right outside the building but not making any noise. And this came from a sergeant major, so it's not like just anybody walked up and said that they saw it. You know, it's kind of a very interesting story there. Now, one of the worst tragedies about all of this is that there was a high suicide rate among the men that were stationed there. In fact, on some occasions, new recruits were persuaded to spend a night on the upper floors alone, and it's said that some of those would go on to commit suicide a short time later. So, what is going on at the Cell Rap House? So I'll give you the first theory, and I'll give you this one first because I think we can rule it out. First theory is that this is completely made up, and it's not factual and actual concrete evidence. Because the military, you know, when it comes to a haunted building, the military is not likely to keep records on this and say, yeah, our soldiers are scared to sleep in there. Like, they're just not going to do that. So they don't keep that kind of evidence. Also, some people say, well, it must be made up because... If the Nazis were trying to cover up something dark and sinister that they were doing in this basement, why wouldn't they just burn the building down? Why would they flood the floors and then concrete over the stairwells? Why wouldn't they just burn the building down? And some say that it's probably just made up um, that they and they just use this as like a story to scare new recruits. And it's just like, oh, yeah, did you hear what happened in this building? And then they kind of tell them the story just to kind of creep them out. Yeah. However... I really feel that we have enough here to say that even if we don't have 100% factual documents proving that this is real, we can 100% say that this is plausible. I say that because we know the Nazis tried to hide and or cover up lots of stuff during the war. I mean, that was like a common thing that they did. We know that Hitler himself believed in the paranormal because he wrote about paranormal experiences in his journals. We know that Himmler was also interested in the occult because they were seeking powers to win the war, even if that meant dark and magic powers. They even sent soldiers allegedly to Antarctica to find the entrance to a place called Hollow Earth where they believed a like whole race of giants was living there 
and they thought that if they went there and spoke to those giants, that those giants would come and help them win the war against the Allied forces. So that was like something that they were that they were pursuing there. They also stole the Spear of Destiny from Vienna to help them conjure up dark forces. Now, the and the Spear of Destiny, I had to look this up because I was like, what is the Spear of Destiny? This sounds like something out of a Indiana Jones movie <laughs> yeah. or something. I was like, is this even real? But the Spear of Destiny is allegedly the spear that was used to pierce the side of Jesus during the crucifixion. And there's there's been a little bit of uh, myth around this as to who actually has it. There's a couple of these spearheads that are held in different churches and things and, and who actually has the real one and, yeah. and that type of deal. But it's clear that Hitler believed that the one in Vienna was the real one. He actually referred to it in his own book as a, quote, magical relic. It has also been said that the SS specifically researched witchcraft and experimented on humans, just like what we're talking about here, and many believe that they wanted to bring soldiers back to life, which makes sense when you think about the fact that the Ooh. people in the basement were tied to the chairs. Yeah. Because they, like, let's say you brought someone down there and you killed them, and then you said, hey, let's chop this head off, and then let's sew on a goat head or do something else to mutilate it. What, and you then bring it back to life? Well, I was going to say, like, once, once that person is killed, you don't have to tie them to a chair. It would be much easier to sew a goat head on, like, on a table or something. But these bodies are sitting there mutilated and tied to a chair. Why are they tied to the chair? Don't Unless you they think, think they would tie them to the chair, like, to mutilate them, to kill them so they can't get up? To kill them, maybe. But if you were going to do some type of a surgery, removing a head, adding a goat head, or, or removing entrails, I don't think you'd want to do that with them, like, sitting in a chair. You know, you'd, yeah, you'd like lay them on a table or down. something. And so I think they thought possibly that if we do this and we do some type of ritual or satanic thing, some witchcraft, I don't know what they were doing exactly, but we can bring this person back to life. And just to make sure that we don't have a little Satan running around down here, let's tie him up to the chair. Yeah, just in case. Yeah. it's. I mean, there, there's a lot of crazy... Crazy things. And like I said, I, some people just say, oh, it's just made up. But it's like, if it is made up, somebody really thought through some details here. Yeah, you know me. I feel like everything has a shred of truth to it, at least. I feel like the story just didn't come from something that completely got made up. I feel like someone has had some sort of experience in there. And, I mean, yeah. like you said, even Hitler was writing about some of this, some paranormal things in his journals. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's obviously a shred of truth. Yeah. We, so. we, we can say that they were interested in this stuff and we can say that they were experimenting with this stuff. And so it's I like, know that for sure. can we say 100% they were doing it at Celerat house? No, maybe not. But we do know it's, you know, the character is there of these people to be doing this. Do you think that they needed the building and that's why they decided to flood it instead of burning it? Like maybe we'll just flood it and we'll use the other floors? Oh, you mean like before they were in retreat? Yeah. Like before that? Maybe so. It could be that they got into something down there that even scared them. Yeah. And so they were like, let's just flood it and seal it off almost like... I guess like they're quarantining whatever was downstairs. Like we can't just give up this building because we're getting creeped out in the basement. Mm -hmm. But if we just really seal it off, we quarantine whatever we have opened up or done down there. And use the other floors. And we can continue to use the other floors. So maybe it wasn't sealed during their retreat. Maybe it was sealed long before they retreated. 
but it was just after they had found some really spooky stuff down there. Okay. What's your next theory? My next theory is that it could be some type of paranormal haunting, and I can't explain the um, satanic stuff that's going on down downstairs, but we do know that there was a concentration camp that was near Cell, and many Jews transferred right through there. They'd have to go through Cell to the train station there, get off the train, wait for the other train to pull up. They'd be loaded onto the next train and taken to the concentration camp from there. So there was lots of sorrow and sadness and tragedy coming through town, in addition to the fact that a war is raging in the area and there were lots of skirmishes and battles that were fought in that region. Um, That would just be some additional negative vibes, I guess we could call Mm -hmm. them. Bad energy. Yeah, some bad energy from that area. Now, one thing to add to that is one day as they were bringing a group of Jews through, they stopped and they were waiting there at the train station outside under guard, of course. And uh, the allies came through and they were bombing the area and they bombed the town and they blew up a building that was like right across the street. It was right nearby. It unfortunately did kill several of the Jews that were out there waiting. And a lot of the other ones decided to use this bombing as an opportunity to run and try to escape. And they took off. Now, a lot of those were just gunned down right there in the streets. Like, I mean, it was like dozens and dozens the rest of them were hunted down in the in the woods all around the town, and they were killed nearby. So lots of bloodshed, lots of tragedy, lots of grief, lots of negative energy is just surrounding this mm-hmm. town. Again, the people that are running those concentration camps, the people that are going out there and hunting down the Jews and bringing them in, those are the Nazi SS. Those are the people that are sleeping in this building every night. They're hatching their plans here in their offices every day in that building. No doubt they're probably bringing some of those Jews down into the basement to torture them, try to get information. I mean, these are, these are some bad guys that are staying in this building. There's a lot of evil negativity there. Yeah, and even bringing negative energy back with them. Yeah. Like we've actually talked about before with your experience at the fire station. Justin used to be a firefighter for how many years? Um, over 10 years, 11, yeah. 12 years. And that. so, and he's had some paranormal experiences there. Maybe we'll get into those one day. Yeah. <laughs> and um, we've kind of talked about that before and how, you know, you, you go to calls and you're obviously around a lot of negative experiences and you can come back with something almost attached or yeah. bring an energy back and it's just there at the fire station now. So I feel like that could totally be happening here with what they are doing. Yeah, to be doing what they were doing. Yeah. They have to you have to be pretty cold hearted. You have to be a pretty evil person to be coming up with those plans that they were coming up with. Participating in the Holocaust. That that is some dark next level stuff that when you're just going after civilians and you are just killing people for no reason. That's the most negative that is thing you can so do. evil and negative. Yeah. yeah. That's that's extreme. So for me personally, I have a hard time believing in ghosts like in the traditional sense. Like people think about like some guy just died and he's just made it his mission to bring haunt a message. these halls and yeah. yeah and you know throw books off the shelf. I have a hard time believing that. However, I do think that a building or a location or whatever can absorb energies, negative energies and good energies, and then sort of emit that back again. And it's kind of like for people, some people, 
like you've probably heard about like the fluorescent lights, you know, in the ballast in the fluorescent light, the old fluorescent tube lights. People would walk under them and say that they felt like a presence there or something. And then later on, we found out that that ballast was actually just giving off like an EMF field or something. And so it was causing that for people in their head. And I believe that a building can do that. It can hold that negative energy or it can hold positive energy. And that's why you can go into a place and you just get like a really weird feeling there or a bad vibe or a good vibe or something like that. And I wonder if this was like that. There was just so much death and tragedy around and negativity coming in and out all the time. And that just kind of made that building hold it. And then that really just stayed in people's minds from there on out. And maybe it just bred more negativity and just really harbored some stuff. And unfortunately, if that's true, then that would be what led to you know, some of the suicides that occurred later on down the road. Yeah. You know, it's this, it's this just continuing and kind of feeding on itself, I guess. For me personally, I believe that as well, but I also believe in, I believe in it all, you know, yeah. like I believe someone could come back and try to give you a message or come back and haunt you or, you know, the house itself could have energy absorbed into the walls, devil, um, demons, angels, you know, like I believe in it all and it's kind of up to you to figure out what exactly it is. I kind of have a theory that I feel like maybe they opened up some sort of portal, opened up something they shouldn't have in the basement. Like, like satanic kind of portal stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I'm kind of having flashbacks of like everything we've seen and watched about Rasputin. And all the devil worship that he had and trying to gain power in that way. Like, it almost makes me wonder if, like, Hitler took inspiration from that. Um, And it just makes me wonder if he kind of opened up some doors, some evil doors that, you know, he was trying to gain power. But this is very negative. This is of the devil. And Mm -hmm. so I feel like you can definitely open up things that you don't want to and... Things just probably didn't go his way. <laughs> yeah, and, and I do believe that as well. Like I like I said, I have a hard time believing in like regular ghosts just haunting the halls. But I do believe that if they are brought out, if they are allowed in, then you can have demonic influence in a place. I, I think you can't go through life saying that you believe in angels, but yet you don't believe that demons are around. Mm-hmm. And I think that as as most people, we would say, oh, well, I don't. I don't dwell in that. I'm a positive person or I'm a Christian or I'm whatever. And so I'm protected from these demons. And I think that that is partly true, but I think that some people can really open it up and some places can be opened up to allow that negative or satanic influence in, you know, if that had happened here in this building, then I do feel like they could have some type of demonic influence or possession within the building where they're allowed to kind of be out and about, I guess, in a, in a weird way. And maybe that would explain some of the dark figures standing over beds. Mm-hmm. That would explain the things going on down in the basement, all sorts of stuff. Now, that doesn't necessarily explain a German panzer division walking by on the road, but, <laughs> but it might explain some of the really dark stuff that was happening Well, that's just the, the energy building. from the outside. You know, I yeah. mean, Gettysburg is extremely haunted, yeah, just the true. field itself. So. You know, I think that that's totally, I think it's a separate thing, to be Mm -hmm. honest. But I think what happened in the basement is 
demonic. And I think that I really wish we had more information on the divers, to be honest, because we don't have any information about like, um, even their names. I don't don't know their names. I don't even have their names. Yeah. And so I really wish we could like read more about the one guy's experience, Mm -hmm. um, what actually happened and, all of that, but then also why they really never felt the need to send other divers down to look for the other two, even though they, I mean, they only, to say they only had two fatalities sounds harsh, but why not send down someone else maybe, to look? Maybe because at the time they were thinking, why, why would we? Like, clearly, if those other two divers, they're dead. They are deceased. Yeah. It's been too long. They would have been out of air or whatever. They, they are gone. And so, at this point, it's a body recovery. The other diver went down. He had nothing good to report as far as some intelligence he found down there or some treasure or some artwork or anything. Like, they, he didn't report anything that they would want. It was just like, yeah, there's dead bodies down there, and it really creeped me out. So, I guess maybe that general, uh, I think it was General Horrocks was his name, Maybe he was thinking, I'm not sending anybody else down for a body, body recovery. recovery. Yeah, when two of our most experienced divers have just died down there, a third one said that he barely got out alive, and he didn't report any other reason for us to be down there. Maybe he was just thinking, let's just let's just let it go. Yeah, if we have any new information about the diver that came back, um, we'll definitely be sure to post it on our socials. Yeah, yeah. You can uh, check us out on Instagram at Mysteries Abroad Podcast. I'm gonna post a post on there for this specific uh, podcast, and I'll put a picture of the Cellarat House, so you can actually go in there and see that. And if I can find any other pictures that are pertinent to the story, I'll add those on there as well. But when you do go over there, leave a comment below that post, letting us know like what your theory is, or if you think Megan and I might have it right with one of our theories. Or if you think you have something else. Oh, yeah. I definitely want to hear everyone yeah. else's theories. <laughs> I feel like this is a story that is really unexplained. And so there really are a lot of plausible theories out there that could explain some of yeah, this stuff. Maybe there's someone out there who's heard this before and heard it like in a different way or heard more information. Like definitely let us know yeah. what is going on. So I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast, our very first story that we're telling here on Mysteries Abroad podcast. Be sure and tune in for the next one. We're uploading twice a week, and we have one more story out of Germany from our time there, and it is it is a very mysterious death case that I can't oh. wait to tell you all about. It's, it's very, very intriguing. So that one will be the very next episode. But in the meantime, we look forward to talking to you over on our Instagram page. And again, that is Mysteries Abroad Podcast. Thanks for listening. <laughs>